0: The True Crime Society podcast contains adult themes and violence and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised.
1: If you'd like to skip the intro, please refer to the timestamp listed in the episode description. Thank you.
0: what's up guys welcome back to another episode of the true crime society podcast first episode of 2024 like we said this is gonna be our year we f- we feel it we know it we say this every year <laughs> and every year we're like okay this this one wasn't it but this is gonna be our year
2: yeah it's gonna be come on let's all be positive
0: <laughs> yeah fingers oh. crossed good vibes you know yeah. sending good vibes are free so send them our way <laughs>
2: dreams of, dreams are free
0: <laughs> yeah it's currently still 2023 time of recording we're recording a little in advance just to get these done for the holiday because with traveling and just the time zones and doing festive holiday activities it'll be a little hard to record so i, I can't talk about our holiday or year yet <laughs> we hope but it's gonna hopefully be good. they're good
2: <laughs> <laughs> we we hope they're good ones this will give us time to have a little bit of a break from recording and to recharge and refresh and be ready for the new year yeah um as much as I love recording
0: and doing the podcast it's fun I'm excited to have like a little time off me too um it, it sounds dumb but like it's sometimes hard to like And it's flipped for you. But I'm sure it's like the same to an extent of like working all day and being tired and then coming home and then having to still like have a personality for two yeah. hours. But <laughs> yeah. it's, it's still fun. Like I act – it gives me anxiety sometimes where I'm like, oh my god, like I hope I sound like happy enough and like good enough and like not like I'm tired. But then in the moment when I'm doing it, I always feel good doing it. I don't want to make it seem like I hate doing the podcast because when I'm recording like even- it,
2: it's I'm always – into it even doing something that you love which i feel like we both love it but it's just good to just have a bit of downtime every now and then yeah i mean the problem
0: let's well, be honest the problem is not the podcast it's the fact that i have a shitty job that i hate <laughs> like we all hate having a real job that's what's sucking the life out of me yeah and for any coworkers listening i don't hate my job please
2: <laughs> just for the podcast
0: <laughs> i just i hate work culture and having to have a job is what i hate.
2: Yeah, and it's such a busy time of year as well. Like trying to fit everything yeah. else in plus job plus podcast. It's good to just have a plus little just downtime. like
0: holiday festivities, wrapping presents, ordering presents, seeing your family, cooking, baking, all the things that come with the holiday. Traffic, like we said, just sucking up all your time. <laughs> We've had so many messages about the traffic too. People like,
2: oh my god, I've noticed that too. What's going on?
0: Okay, like <laughs> it's worse than ever. I I don't know if I'm just being dumb, but I do feel like it's worse than ever lately. I don't know no, what I it agree. is. I agree but we're almost through it
2: yeah and there's Nelly made it it's like a limp to the finish line yeah 2023
0: yeah and as much as we complain it's just for the fun we all love to complain like of course there's plenty (laughs) of things to be grateful for that we're happy for yeah and we're very happy to be able to do this podcast and have a bit of a platform and have found people that are into the same stuff as us so cheers to that (laughs) yes Not to be whiny whiners all the time. (laughs) It's just a small whinge and that's it. (laughs) But like, it's just like, we all just love to complain. I love it. When you're together (laughs) with like some friends and you're just all bitching about the same thing, it's like, yes.
2: (laughs) You do do feel better. I feel like when you get it out. So
0: Yeah. And to know it's not just you that like hates something.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: Like when people messaged me. About how they also get anxious or hate going to pizza places, gas stations, delis, how I said it made me anxious. (laughs) Like, hearing that, I was like, oh, it's not just me. Wow. Thank you. I'm not a freak. (laughs) So, yeah. Uh, But, yeah. So, I hope everyone had a good holiday season, a great start to the new year. And... We'll
2: just like keep it going. I'm excited to be back. So the other thing too, we do love episode suggestions. So we're working on a 2024 schedule. So if you've got anything you'd like us to cover, like people send us messages all the time. So as long as there's enough information, we can definitely look at it. So send us probably on Instagram is the best way to get in contact with us because we see most of the messages there. Yeah. I
0: really want to find more, I like I said in another episode, kind of like Missy Beavers type-esque yeah. cases where – They're, like, a little older, where people have kind of forgotten about them, what they were really big at the time, or they're just – I don't know how to describe it, but, like, just, like, Missy Beavers. And even this one we're doing today is um, kind of like that, too, where it was big. There's a lot of info, but then it just –
2: I feel like solved. these days there's actually so few true mysteries left probably because of like DNA and technological advancements. Mm-hmm. So like even the Skelton brothers, which we did recently, like when you find that a case to. that for some reason just hasn't been like, and even with Missy, they, sh- they should be able to solve it. There's CCTV, they've probably got the car. You know, there's a whole bunch of reasons why it should be solved. And it's still not. Same with Skelton brothers. Like we know probably who did it. We know generally the area he was in, but still unable to be found. It's crazy. Even this case. Yeah.
0: It's like there's it's heather elvis you guys know from the title i'm sure but it's one of those ones where i'm like how there's like a small small resolution but hardly there's like not a lot of closure to this one and it's kind of crazy with it happened in 2013 and i was actually just saying right now at recording like tonight like 3 a.m tonight will be 10 years since she disappeared so it's kind of weird it worked out that way because we didn't do that
2: on purpose and this also quite a small window, same with the Skelton brothers too, and I guess Missy, but a small window of time when this crime actually happened. Like it was known about relatively quickly and when they traced back the movements, it was probably, you know, an hour or so or a few hours. So it's not like these people had days and days and days to get rid of the victims. It's just crazy that they still managed to ha- have them hidden after all this time.
0: In a lot of these, this one, Missy, like we don't really know, but the suspected perpetrators in this one and, and
2: the Skeleton brothers... They don't seem too smart. No. They don't seem too bright. I feel like a lot of the time it's just dumb luck, and I guess it is trying to find a needle in a haystack in a lot of cases. Um. Well, even with, like, the Skeleton Brothers and this one too,
0: it's like the police just need that one tip to put them in the right direction, it seems like, that they haven't gotten yet. So hopefully that will come one day, but I don't know. It's
2: frustrating. After all these years, very frustrating, yeah.
3: This morning, Sydney and Tammy Moore are behind bars in connection with the disappearance of 20-year-old Heather Elvis.
4: I wanted to feel happy about it, but there's no joy in it. Um, Heather's still not home.
3: Elvis went missing in December. Her car found abandoned, no sign of her. And for over two months, frustratingly slow progress until Friday's arrest, where police also
4: raided the couple's home. Anything that we release at this point, it could do a lot more harm than it could do good.
3: The breakthrough in the case coming from a discovery made by Elvis's father. He says he looked up her cell phone records.
4: Well, there were a, a lot of calls to one particular number in the last hours. Uh, before the phone stopped working.
3: That number, the parents telling ABC News belonged to 38-year-old Sidney Moore. Police say he and Elvis may have had a romantic relationship. The couple appeared in court on Saturday, being held on $20,000 bond, each facing two counts of indecent exposure and one count of obstruction of justice. But investigators say much stronger charges will be coming soon. Either a missing person or possibly a homicide. And that's what the focus of this has been. For the Elvis family, a small measure of relief in the face of their
4: incredible ordeal. This is torture for everyone. And if they
0: would just talk and tell us what happened, I really believe they know where Heather is. All right, so today we're going to talk about the case of Heather Elvis. Like I was saying, she disappeared in 2013. It was actually, this case was suggested to us by one of our Patreon members named Jessica. I'm not going to throw out her last name because who knows who's yeah. listening. But Jessica, she knows who she is. Thank you. This case, neither of us had really known much about, but it is another wild one. And again, I know I always say that, but some of these are just crazy.
2: I've always known she was missing, like, I feel like I've just kind of followed it generally, but when we did this deep dive for this episode, I'm like, this is a crazy case.
0: Yeah, and I was just saying the one suspect involved looks like, um, her name's Tammy, she looks like the woman from Tiger King so much, the blonde woman, I can't think of her name right now, but we all know who I'm talking, Carol, Carol Baskin, (laughs) the... (laughs) <laughs> she reminds me of her so much. So if you, I mean, I'll put her picture as the podcast image as well, but I just cannot get that out of my head. Um, anyway, so she, Heather, disappeared on December 18th, 2013 from Carolina Forest, South Carolina, kind of near uh, like the Myrtle Beach area. And Heather was born on June 30th, 1993. She grew up in Horry County, South Carolina, and her parents are Terry and Debbie Elvis. She had a younger sister named Morgan and she has an older brother named Christopher. Christopher seems like he's 10 years older than her, but it seems like he doesn't really want much to do with her disappearance because you researched and didn't come across him. And i even notice because I watched the documentary today and the parents mentioned the brother and they showed a picture of Heather and the brother together and his face was blurred out. So then I looked a little more into him, and everything was like, "Oh, the brother Christopher couldn't be reached for comment; didn't respond to emails." So I guess he just doesn't want to be connected to the case for whatever reason. I mean, the people involved are pretty shady, so it could also be a safety thing.
2: Maybe I don't know. Her dad seems to be <clears throat> kind of the mouthpiece for the family.
0: Yeah, and the the sister was a lot in the documentary too. She talked a lot, but yeah, the dad at the time seemed like he yeah. did a lot of the talking and media interviews and stuff like that. So Heather graduated in 2011 from St. James High School in Merle's Inlet. And around this time, Heather moved into an apartment with her co-worker named Brianna Warlman. She goes by the name Bree, And Heather and Brie worked together as like hostesses or waitresses at the Tilted Kilt in Myrtle Beach. And that's kind of like um, a different version of Hooters where they wear like yeah. bras basically and short skirts. It's more like a pub irish-esque hooters i guess um i don't see them around as much anymore i kind of think like hooters they're dying out Mm. but it's for cute young girls to work at (laughs) (laughs) heather though she also worked at the house of blues in north myrtle beach and she was studying cosmetology as well so in june 2013 heather met a man named cindy moore he was 37 years old at the time and he was a handyman that repaired stuff at the Tilted Kilts, so like a maintenance guy that worked there. And Heather was only 19 when she met Sydney. And she posted this tweet in June 2013. Her Twitter – is it still up or are these just old screenshots? No, it's, no,
2: it's absolutely still up. <laughs> what was uh, last so, week
0: or whatever when I looked. <laughs> yeah, okay. So her Twitter's still up if you want to look at it. Um, her name on there is Moonchild, but her handle is just Heather Elvis. On June 12, 2013, she tweeted, I got a taste for men who are older. Very straight to the point. Heather's roommate, Bree, recalled that Heather pointed Sydney out to her while they were at work. Like we said, her Twitter is still up, and she did make a handful of tweets su- suggesting that she was sexually interested in Sydney. Some of those are along the lines of... <laughs> this one's really aggressive. Um, so if you have kids in the car, maybe earmuffs. She wrote... The guy who builds things at my job makes me cream myself. Hashtag wet
2: dreams tonight. Very straight to the point again. I feel like this is right around the time where people would write stuff like this on social media. Like, I feel like it's way less now, but you know, like when it, on Facebook and it was like, share your thoughts and you'd be like, and it would be yeah. the third person. So I'd say, like, Olivia is blah, 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 blah. <laughs> back. So I, th- I feel like this was way more common back then to be writing stuff like this.
0: And this wasn't Twitter, it was like, at its peak i'd say around like 2012 2013 where people would just basically stream of consciousness on twitter all day yeah um another thing she tweeted was one of these days i will drag that man into the mop closet and have my way with him lord have mercy and it's funny to me again i'll put his image as like with the podcast image just the average looking guy like he's fine looking but like no one that needs to be like she's passing away over
2: no and I feel like, too, like you have to remember, she was only 19 at the time. The stuff that I probably put online when I was 19 is ridiculous. It's just, so, like, I, I used to have a live journal. Did you, did you? I know you might have been a bit younger yeah. than that. But no, like, we have a live even, journal on Zanga. I don't even know what my handle is, thank God, because I never, ever, ever want to see it again.
0: <laughs> no, I made sure those were all gone. I went out of my way. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I just think it's funny because you read these tweets and you're like, wow, he must have been really good looking. He's just mm. like the most average looking dude. Yeah. So there was another series of tweets in early July 2013 where she mentions Sydney and references doing like a bad thing. She wrote to someone, so at sexy Brooke, I work at House of Blues, but I'll be there to get food later. Also, Sydney will be there tonight, so you know I got to make an appearance. Um, and then another tweet she wrote, Baby did a bad, bad thing. And another one, sure, I'm in way too deep, but watch me get in deeper. So seems like she could have been referencing hooking up with Sydney.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, so Sydney was married to a woman named Tammy, and they had three children together. Tammy worked as a travel agent, and Sydney was a welding contractor. Sydney owned his own business called Palmetto Maintenance, which was described as a mobile welding service. And a relative spoke about Sydney and Tammy's marriage. They said, Sydney, to me, always was a lucky-go-happy happy-go-lucky a no, lucky-go-happy guy that,
2: that's actually like a quote but it's wrong but yeah that's what they said no it's backwards
0: Cindy <laughs> to me was a lucky-go-happy guy but you could tell by being around them as a couple that she called the shots
2: and I feel like you can absolutely tell that as this story yeah. goes on she definitely wore the pants
0: yeah and yeah <laughs> <laughs> So it seems like Sydney and Heather were having an affair. It's been said that Sydney would go to Heather's workplaces when he wasn't on the clock to bring her food and coffee. And apparently, he considered asking her to work as a nanny for his children. She was like, Do you see him? And I was like, Who?
5: And she was like, Sydney. And I was like, Who is Sydney? And she was like, That guy over there, the maintenance guy.
6: Brianna Wallerman was Heather's roommate and best friend. She's breaking her silence about Heather's disappearance in this exclusive interview with Crime Watch Daily. Brianna says they met when Sydney was hired to do maintenance work at her job. Even though Sydney was 38, almost twice Heather's age, it was love at first sight, at least for Heather.
5: Even after that day, the day that they first started talking, like over a series of weeks, it was her running and being like, Brie, Sydney did this, and we're going to do this, and we hung out here. And every time he would come in, she would almost like run away because it was like, oh, you know, like Sydney's here kind of thing. Heather's romance with Sydney was very intense. When it came to Heather, he made her feel like she was his one and only. She told me she loved him.
0: I did see, I watched a documentary today that it was on ID. I watched it on Amazon for like $2, if anyone's interested. It's called disappeared in the darkness i think but the manager of the tilted kilt actually said heather was charging her phone in the manager's office and she saw texts from sydney kind of pop up and she caught a glance of them and said that basically the text confirmed that sydney and heather were having sex on the back patio of the tilted kilt sometimes so not very discreet mm. i would say So Sydney would later say that their affair was primarily conducted in September 2013. Um, This is another tweet of Heather's from mid-September 2013. It says, once upon a time, an angel and a devil fell in love. It did not end well. Around this time, Tammy found out about the affair and expectedly was very angry. Bree, that's Heather's roommate, co-worker, would later say that Tammy made Sydney call Heather to end the affair with her listening. So this is a quote from Bree. She said, Tammy called Heather and said, "You're going to end it with my husband." And so she, Tammy put Sydney on the phone and sat there while Sydney and Heather talked.
5: When the whole thing was found out, it blew up like a bomb almost. I mean, Tammy was livid, texting Heather. She was sending Heather pictures of her and Sydney having sex. I personally never saw them because I told her I did not want to. Tammy, her phone calls, you know, you're going to stop talking to my husband or else. And it wasn't, or else, I'm going to do this. It was, or else.
6: According to Brianna, Tammy
5: made sure Heather got the message loud and clear. Tammy called Heather. She said, you're going to end it with my husband. So she put Sydney on the phone and sat there while Sydney and Heather talked and they ended things on the phone. But Sydney made comments to Heather and said, You know, you were nothing to me. You were just someone who spread your legs and basically tore Heather apart as a human being. Brianna says it crushed Heather.
6: It was two months full of tears.
0: So from there, Tammy continued to harass Heather. She would text her saying wild things, like on November 1st, Tammy texted Heather saying, hey, sweetie, ready to meet the missus? Heather wrote back, I think you're a little obsessed with me. I'm nobody you need to worry about anymore.
2: It made me sad, that message, because like this late grown woman is being a psycho and she's like, hey, just, you know. Leave me alone, like it's done. Yeah, and it's like a sad message. I'm nobody. You need to, like, you know, obviously she yeah. did the wrong thing and having an affair, but she was just like, "Come on, she's 19." Yeah, like let's blame um your creepy husband. Yeah, a smidge. Which that that message just made me
0: sad. Yeah. Um, they also said in the documentary that you have no
2: new messages. Oh, sorry, that's my watch. <laughs> Rude.
0: <laughs> they also said in the documentary that Tammy texted heather a photo of sydney performing oral sex on her on tammy and sent it to Mm. heather which is like insane gross insane like leave her alone so tammy then also continued to contact heather's boss and was trying to get her fired um she said that sydney would not be performing any work there as long as heather was employed so the former tilted kilt manager said Tammy barged into the conversation and proceeded to tell me how Heather was causing problems for her family, spreading rumors that she was pregnant by her husband and said to fire her. So she's just kind of trying to ruin Heather's life. Sydney said that Tammy handcuffed him to the bed every night to ensure he remained faithful to her. She also changed his phone password to only one that she knew and accompanied him every time he left the house. She also made him Get, she also made him get her name tattooed above his crotch. Tammy said, If you didn't have that thing with that girl, this wouldn't
2: be happening. This Um, is what I mean by where's the pants. Like, same. (laughs) (laughs) This is crazy.
0: Yeah. Like, just break, just get a divorce at this point. Like, this sounds exhausting. Exhausting. Could you imagine doing these things versus being like, All right, let's just like call it quits and move on with our lives? Mm -hmm. But some people just like thrive off of that like toxic chaos, and they definitely seem to. Um, so Sidney somehow managed to start contacting Heather again and said that Tammy did not object to the affair anymore. She was just mad about him lying to her about it. He told Heather that Tammy was having an affair of her own as well. But he said, regardless, he still didn't want to be with Heather anymore. And Heather agreed and said that she wanted Tammy to stop calling her job and harassing her. Um, she said to him, I lost hours day because they sent me home after she kept calling so Heather started to move on from the Sydney situation and she got a job at a beauty parlor in Myrtle Beach and was due to start just before Christmas. Uh, her family said she was super excited about it because she was studying cosmetology. And it probably kind of just felt like a, a new start to her, get out of like the tilted kilt, which has caused her all this drama, probably a lot of bad memories and seemed like she was maybe starting her new like professional career. So Heather, she started to put on some weight and her co-workers noticed that her bra size had gone up three sizes because at the Tilted Kilt, they order the uniforms for them. So she needs to
2: get a bigger size. Yeah, it sounds like it's a weird thing to notice for your co-worker. But when you I guess when you wear an outfit that is mainly focused on the bra area, that's why they all noticed.
0: Yeah. Um, so she had to get a bigger size. And Heather was then worried that maybe she had become pregnant by Sydney. And she took a pregnancy test, which came back as an error, and she, they said she didn't take another one after that just because she kind of didn't want to know. Like She just didn't want to know at that point and didn't take another one right away. From what we've read, it seems like news of Heather's possible
2: pregnancy started spreading. Of course, everyone gossips. It seems like, yeah, a few of her coworkers kind of spoke about it later, so it's not like it was a secret. It seems like there was quite a few people who knew that she might be pregnant.
0: Because I think she... The documentary made it seem like she took the test at work too. So, mm-hmm. on December 17th, Heather went on a first date with a man named Stephen, with Stephen Sheraldi. Their date started at 10 p.m., late time to start a date, excuse <laughs> me. And he drove her around and they looked at Christmas lights. They later drove to a parking lot of a local mall where he taught her how to drive his manual transmission truck, and she sent pics of herself driving it to her father and to her roommate. I guess she texted it to her dad and was like, oh, are you proud? Because she was, you know, learning how to drive a stick shift and kind of eerie because that's basically a last images yeah. type thing. Like, not long before she disappeared. It was supposed to be the first official
5: date since after her relationship with Sydney had ended. I asked her what they were going to do and she was like, I'm not sure, but I'm just excited. Heather was happy that night and let those close to her know it. She texted me during the date. She said, my date is teaching me how to drive a manual car.
4: I got a text from her and it was a picture of her driving a truck. And it says, look at me, I'm a pro.
0: It would be the very last picture anyone would see of Heather. Stephen. The date, he dropped her off at her apartment at 1.15 a.m. on December 18th. But also imagine, not to spoil, but the first date guy isn't involved at all. How scary to go on a first date with someone and then later that night they go missing. Like, of course you're going to be looked at immediately as the person who did it. It's crazy. I would have been very nervous. So like I said, Stephen dropped her off at 1.15 a.m. on December 18th. And then Heather's cell phone received a call from a pay phone around one thirty-five a.m., soon after heather called Bree, who was out of state for the holidays she told Bree that sydney had called her from a payphone and said that he was planning to leave tammy and that he wanted to meet up with her Bree said that heather was hysterical when she called her and she told heather absolutely to not leave and to not go meet him Bree later testified she said he said that he left his wife that he missed her and he wanted to see her he wanted to be with her And She said, I got angry. I said, don't do it. You're finally moving on with your life. You're happy again. You're yourself again. So obviously, as a friend, she didn't want to get back into that toxic cycle that she seemed to finally be starting to get away from. Heather's date dropped her off at the apartment
6: around 1 a.m. At 1.44 a.m., Brianna gets an emotional call from Heather.
5: She was crying. When I asked her what was wrong, she told me Sydney had called her. Brianna was floored when Heather told her why he called. He said that he left his wife and that he missed me and he wanted to see me. And she was like, I don't know what to do. And I was like, well, how about you sleep on it? She was like, okay, you know, I'm going to go to sleep and I'll talk to you tomorrow. And we always end our conversation with
0: love you. So we said love you, hung up, and that was the last time I talked to her. Their call lasted for two minutes and... Nobody had spoken to or seen Heather since that call. Sydney was spotted on CCTV at a Myrtle Beach Walmart at one twelve a.m. on December 18th, so basically just before he called Heather from the payphone, and he was purchasing cigars and a pregnancy test. He can also be seen then on CCTV making that call to Heather from the payphone at a gas station. The footage is blurry, but you can tell it's a guy and kind of what he's wearing. Heather's father spoke about how he found out that she was missing. So this is a quote Wednesday, December 18th came and went without notice. The day seemed normal enough. Work was normal home for dinner, a little TV, then off to bed without me knowing what was about to hit me. The Next day also began with the same now ominous normalcy. I headed home to wrap presents that were requested by the girls earlier in the week. It was only four days ago that I'd gotten a text from Heather. No words, just a photo of a laptop she really wanted for Christmas. Knowing the way to get it was to text me the photo as she'd done for years. Texting to mom was a surefire way to delay the purchase and discuss the item many, many times before anything was bought. I love the way my girls have me wrapped around their fingers and can use me to get what they want. Makes me smile when they do it. As the sky grew darker outside, the nightmare began creeping ever closer. Still silent, still unseen. And then there was a knock at the door. Outside, there was an officer. I didn't panic. After all, I have many friends in law enforcement who stop by all the time for one thing or another, and this person was a friend. I arrived at the door with a smile and a handshake, but soon the mood darkened. The officer asked me, are you missing a car? I looked in the driveway and all were there, so I replied, nope, all of them are right there. He replied, what about a dark green Dodge Intrepid? I said, that's Heather's car, why? Now the fear was starting to reveal itself to me, but still not quite the intense shell shock yet to come. The officer tells me that Heather's car was reported abandoned at a nearby boat landing. I grabbed the extra keys and got into his car so that we could go have a look. It only took a short ride and we arrived. There, parked sideways, sat my daughter's abandoned car alone in the darkness. Heather's car was found at Peachtree Landing boat launch, which is about 8 miles or 13 kilometers from Heather's apartment. The car was locked and none of Heather's belongings were inside. In the documentary I watched, the Literally, they mentioned about 40 times, all different people, how this area is dark at night. There's no lights. Like You only go there if you're doing something shady. If you want no one to see you, it is pitch black, apparently. No lights at all. They were all very adamant how dark it was. So the day after the car was found, police began searching the boat landing and surrounding areas and found no sign of Heather. Heather's father said that her phone was turned off and was going straight to voicemail. They investigated Stephen, the man who Heather went on that first date with, but he was quickly cleared. Less than 24 hours later, police
6: get a call of a suspicious vehicle parked oddly at Peachtree Landing. It's Heather Elvis's car, registered to her father Terry. What did you find when you got here?
4: I came with the officer to identify the car and to open it for him. I had the spare keys to it. Spare keys to all of our cars, you know, locked up at home. So we got here, we found the car, we opened the car. The officer went through it and uh, he found receipts, uh, time stamped earlier that day. And uh, that was pretty much it.
6: Heather had vanished along with her car keys, purse and cell phone. Did you try calling her at that point?
4: Oh, yes. we.
6: Over and over. We call over. over and
4: over and over. They just get went straight, went straight, straight to divorce now every
6: time. The Horry County police first want to meet with the last person Heather called or texted. Police reports show that was Sidney Moore. Heather's dad wants answers too. Did you know Sidney Moore?
4: Never heard the name before. Not once.
6: Nef- not even one time.
4: Never. That night when we we're going through the phone records and it was Did it you was, want to call him? I actually did call him.
6: You called Sidney Moore?
4: I I texted him that night, and I said, please call me. It's important. Did he call you? texted back a little bit later, and it says, uh, I think the text said, who is this? And I immediately called the phone back, and he answered the phone. And I told him who I was.
6: And what did he say?
4: Uh, He began to curse me profusely. I said, hey, I just want to know where my daughter's at. You, You were the last person to talk to her on the phone. I've never known your daughter, I never spoke to her, blah, 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 I just kept going on and on.
6: He said he didn't know your daughter. Yeah,
4: I said, I said, man, I said, you've got children too. I said, this is my daughter. And he says, don't you threaten my child, and and he hangs up the phone.
2: Investigators started looking into Heather's phone records. The pings from the phone showed that shortly after 2.30 a.m., the phone was located at Longbeard's Bar and Grill in Carolina Forest, where it remained for 15 minutes. After the phone left that area, it was taken as far away as Augusta Plantation Drive, which was four miles or 6.4 kilometers from Longbeards, and then it went back to Longbeards for another 15 minutes. At the end of that time period, a call was placed to Sydney's cell phone, but it wasn't answered. Heather's phone appeared to be in motion at that point, suggesting that it had left Longbeards again. Within five minutes, it went back to her apartment and remained there for another five minutes. During that time, it called Sydney's phone again, which was then at his home, so his phone was still at his home, Mm -hmm. and that resulted in a four-minute conversation. At 3.37am, which was eight minutes after the call with Sydney, the phone went to Peachtree Landing. A minute later, three attempts were made to call Sydney's phone within the space of two minutes, and all were unanswered. At 341 another attempt was made. And a minute and a half later, that's when Heather's cell phone data ends. Its location could only be identified as somewhere in the wildlife refuge at that location. Police also looked into Tammy and Sydney's phone records. There was no communication between the two between November 2nd, which is when Sydney gave his phone to, he said he gave his phone to Tammy then in an attempt to save their marriage, and until 3.37am on December 18. So six weeks, there was no phone interaction between them at all. Until the time when Heather was in the process of disappearing, Tammy sent him a text that said, the pot stickers and the orange juice. Sydney replied immediately with, yes, madam. strange. Yeah, police reviewed more CCTV from the stretch between Sydney and Tammy's home and Peachtree Landing. Two cameras, one at a home midway along the route and another closer to the landing, showed a dark Ford F-150 passing in the direction of the landing at 3.36 and 3.39. At 3.45 and 3.46, the vehicle returns going in the opposite direction. The licence plate isn't visible. However, there was analysis by the South Carolina Highway Patrol and the FBI and that found out that it was Sydney's vehicle. A Horry County police detective went to the Sydney's house not long after Heather vanished. Their first visit was on December 20th, which was two days after she was last seen.
5: So the police immediately go to Sydney's house. They talk with him in December 20th, early morning, I'd say 2 a.m. When's the last night? Um, either last night or night before, I can't remember.
1: Well, what's your relationship with her? Uh, there is no relationship. There, there relationship?
5: was a relationship I broke it all. So he was trying to give the police this idea of, look, I'm over her. I haven't reached out to her. I don't know where she is. I've
2: had zero contact with her.
1: At any point, did you go down around Peachtree the landing there? No. So there's nothing that's going to show up?
2: He said he toured the house and noticed the security system inside and outside while taking photos. And he said that the truck that belonged to Sydney and Tammy was locked. That detective or the police returned on December 22nd and the detective said a new security system had been installed which wiped away any footage of the night that Heather disappeared. However, he said that there was footage captured by the new system which showed Sydney and Tammy extensively cleaning their Ford for hours. He said it was cleaned far more thoroughly than an average home wash. The detective Sester said, when I say extensively, it goes on for several hours of them cleaning the car, which also is what is also fairly unusual to me is the rags they're cleaning the car with are then burned in a pile burn in the yard. He said that the pile burn was started around 30 minutes into the two-hour cleaning and he spoke more about what they did when they cleaned the car he said Tammy Mora is on the passenger side of the vehicle pretty intently cleaning the passenger doors Sydney Mora is on the driver's side seeing the burn pile that's where some of the items are thrown on top of the pile that it's already burning it's almost smothered out it looks like cloth towels not paper towels so Sydney and Tammy quickly became the main suspects in Heather's disappearance Sydney spoke to the media about threats that had been made against him and his family because I guess everyone in the area kind of knew that they were suspects He spoke to News 13 and he said, my children don't sleep well. My children's grades have suffered. My youngest has night terrors where he won't sleep through the whole night without getting up, walking around or talking in his sleep. He said, they threatened to set my house on fire, nail all my doors and windows shut and walk away as we screamed to get out. Sydney ended up putting signs up on his lawn, which were directed at the people who were threatening him. One wrote, where's our protection order? Another one said, take pics, post it and help change harassment laws.
1: And Sidney Moore says he's frustrated he can't talk about it. He did talk about how it's hurting his family. Sydney says he's been shot at while driving, and people are threatening his family and even his kids online.
4: It's all a game. Everything's a game, and it's not a game. It never has been a game from the very beginning. The meanness that I've seen come out of people it amazes me. How you can be so mean to someone you know nothing about. About a subject you know nothing about. About something that we did not do.
1: Because if I confess to something I didn't do, then there's a murderer or a kidnapper or whatever running around somewhere in this community. And no one even knows. That's the scary part.
2: Sydney went on to say, my children who are completely 100% innocent in everything, don't know anyone, didn't do anything, didn't talk to anyone, didn't do anything, were threatened to be kidnapped, mutilated and raped. They threatened to drain their blood and they threatened to eat them. He said, all of this has been turned into the police, the threats, the harassing, the stalking, the following at my house. They have the video of people at my house and they've done nothing. So poli- the News 13 did reach out to the Horry County Police regarding this apparent harassment, but the department said they were, un- were unable to give any specifics and said that every report that Sydney had made to them was being investigated. Sydney also said, Police can say whatever they like about me. I don't care. My wife and my children have n- have nothing to do with anything. They didn't even know anyone involved in this and they were drug into this anyway, which is clearly a lie, especially for Tammy, based on what she did to Heather in the past. I was going to
0: say, like, I-, I feel bad for the kids. Obviously, it's probably... Sh- Probably horrific and stressful for them. But it's so annoying for him to be standing there talking like this when you, you put yourself in this situation. made this is stuff you should have thought of before you did what you most likely did to Heather. And yeah. just like he's just basically like exploiting his children to garner sympathy.
2: And I get like I agree. The child tr- but the thing is, I also highly doubt that anyone actually threatened the children. No doubt he probably I feel like got that some too. threats, but I doubt that anyone was probably out there threatening to eat his children, Sam. So Sydney also told police that twice in February 2014, people had fired a weapon or like kind of shown a gun at him while he was driving. Georgetown County Deputy Sheriff said there was no signs of damage to his vehicle despite Sydney saying that he had heard bullets strike it. So another blatant lie. On February 21st, 2014, police executed a search warrant at Sydney's property. After 11 hours of searching, both Tammy and Sydney were arrested and charged with murder, kidnapping, obstruction of justice and two counts each of indecent exposure. The indecent exposure charges resulted from sexually explicit images that were found on their phone that they had taken of themselves in public places. The obstruction charges against Sydney were a result of him denying he had used the payphone, but then he retracted once he knew they had it on CCTV. So he lied to police about making the calls and then when he found out they actually had proof, he retracted.
0: Just to go back a little to him retracting the statement they played i'll put in a clip if i can if i could find it but they played part of this interview and they're like the police are asking like so you never used a payphone like they asked him a few times and he was like i didn't even know payphones existed anymore (laughs) and then they're like well we know that you called her from a payphone and he's like all right (laughs) yes i did that oh they exist still payphones so dumb
4: they asked him about the payphone call. Had you used any other phones that night? Your wife's phone? No. Did you make any payphone calls? No. I still have payphones.
1: Who makes a phone call today from a payphone? Sydney Moore has a cell phone. Tammy Moore has a cell phone. And Tammy Moore used that cell phone to great length to harass and essentially stalk Heather Ellis. They were calling from a payphone to hide the call.
4: There was a phone call made to. Heather that night from a payphone at the gas station on Tenth Avenue. Okay. We have video from that. Okay. Did you try calling her just a minute, no. a second? You sure? Maybe. Okay. How about we start again? I, I
1: did. I called her from okay. the payphone. Okay. Uh,
4: what did you say?
1: I asked her to please leave me alone.
2: So the couple did end up being released from jail in early 2015 after they had been held for 11 months. A judge accepted that Tammy's mother's house was collateral to guarantee the 100k murder charge bond. Tammy and Sydney had to agree to GPS monitoring and were ordered to stay five miles away from Heather's family home at all times, and they were also told not to interact with Heather's family on social media. So Tammy and Sydney, not surprisingly, had trouble finding work after they got out of jail. They asked the court for permission to move to Florida, where Sydney had found a job while the case was still pending. This was agreed by the court on the premise that they still meet their bail conditions and they waive extradition from Florida if they violated them. In March 2016, the murder charges against the couple were dropped without prejudice. This means, though, they can be recharged at a later date if necessary. The Elvis family said that they were disappointed, but they understood. I feel like that was a smart move, especially if they weren't quite ready to proceed with the murder charges. At least this way they can bring it up later if they need to. Yeah,
0: definitely. I think the the murder charge was pretty... Uh, premature for them to go with yeah. to start but
2: hey, at least they tried so the first trial in relation to heather's case was held in june, ta- june 2016 a jury was f- tasked with deciding whether or not sydney had kidnapped heather the trial ran for four days heather's co-workers testified about her affair with sydney and also talked about her probable pregnancy to the jury Bree, who was the roommate testified on the second day of the trial sydney spoke to a media outlet about the case after deliberating for 7 hours, the jury informed the judge that they were irreconcilably divided. 10 of them wanted to convict, but 2 did not. Due to this hung jury, the judge declared a mistrial. After the trial, the judge found Sydney in contempt of court for violating the gag order by speaking to the media and sentenced him to 2 months, mu- so sentenced him to 5 months in jail. He was released after 2 months due to good behavior. I saw in um
0: so at the end of Sydney's trial, I think the one thing like There already was all circumstantial evidence, but one thing that I think might have been difficult for the jurors to say beyond a reasonable doubt was that the defense attorney then kind of turned and made it seem like it was probably Tammy. Like, Tammy was the one with the motive. Tammy was the one sending Heather the text harassing her. Like, Tammy was the one with the motive. She was the angry one. She was the unhinged crazy one, which still in my mind, I could be like, yeah, I mean, it could have been Tammy.
2: The second lot of court proceedings happened in July 2017. This round focused on cell phone records and CCTV. A cousin of Tammy's testified that Sydney had shown him something on his phone which indicated that he knew what had happened to Heather. There was a 2021 episode of Dateline which inferred that this was a photo of Heather in which she was deceased and bloody with scratches on her face. After a three-day court hearing, Sydney was convicted on obstruction of justice which on an Sydney was convicted on an obstruction of justice charge. The judge sentenced him to 10 years in prison <clears throat> with a credit of a year for time served. In April 2018 a grand jury indicted Sydney and Tammy on a single count charge of conspiracy to kidnap. This was the first time that charges had been brought against them in that way. Prosecutors would not elaborate on this; would not elaborate on the specifics of the charges, citing the standing gag order. But commentators believe the indictment, and especially the additional charge, suggested that other new evidence had been found, or that one of them had agreed to testify against the other. Tammy went on trial in October two thousand and eighteen, almost five years after Heather disappeared. We have mentioned some of the evidence earlier that um, was shown at the trial, including the threatening text messages and the phone calls. You know, the ones where she's like, "Ready to meet the missus" and all that. Mm-hmm. Tammy also called Heather a psycho whore in a Facebook post. We also learned apparently that after Tammy found out about the affair, she beat Sydney severely. So this is a Facebook post that Tammy made online. I'll just read it out because I feel like it gives you – Speaks to her personality. Yeah. (laughs) Says, well, Sydney cheated on me in the months of September and October with a psycho whore who has since went missing, and now her crazy daddy is threatening to kill my children and Sydney, therefore making Sydney stupid. This girl grabbed his business card out of the office at her workplace and had fantasies about him as far back as March, but talked about him in July, naming him. I don't know any other of any other word to describe my husband at this point. All you have to do is research this girl's Twitter, although four months of it got, has gone missing in the past couple of weeks, and her Tumblr to see what a twisted person she really is. I could care less seeing I had a boyfriend of my own for the last couple of years. When someone brings my children into the scenario, it's a whole other story. I will not tolerate anyone hurting my children because my husband banged a hoe three times in the backseat of her car and nothing more. I could care less when he is screwed around with, but the fact that this jerk is stalking my family is unacceptable. Imagine putting this on Facebook. <laughs> Anyway, um, so Tammy also claimed that on the night Heather disappeared, she and Sydney had gone out to have sex in the truck and to buy a pregnancy test. She told the court that she eventually miscarried while she was in jail, so I guess her story is the pregnancy test was for her and not for Heather.
0: And that's when Sydney violated the gag order that he got in trouble for. That was what he was telling the media because during his trial he wasn't testifying. So in order for him to, like, get his version of why he was buying a pregnancy test out there, he went to the media and was like, oh, yeah, I was, you know, I was buying for my wife. Like, she was with me. Like, that's why I was getting the pregnancy test. It's not like what it seems. It's like you can't be doing that in the middle of your trial, dude.
1: I was actually buying it for my wife. Um, She was in the vehicle when I bought it for her. Um, She took it that night. Um, And it was negative like so many before and after. Sidney Moore spoke exclusively with our sister station WBTW on Tuesday after testimony wrapped up. There's a gag order in the case, but he says he wanted to speak because of his wife. Moore says that he and his wife Tammy have been trying to get pregnant for a long time, and that night isn't the only time he could have been seen buying a pregnancy test, he says. We asked Moore if he thought the statements and new video would be trouble for him. Not really so much damaging. Um, as I guess maybe leading the jury into something to maybe try to get them to believe something that's not so. Moore says his wife eventually did get pregnant but lost the baby. He says he feels like she was brought into the case against her will. Moore says if Heather Elvis was pregnant, it's biologically impossible the baby was his.
2: So after the 11-day trial, the jury convicted Tammy of both charges following four hours of deliberations. She was sentenced to 30 years for each to run concurrently with credit for time served. Sydney first applied for parole in November 2018, and that was unanimously denied. In September 2019, Sydney was found guilty of kidnapping Heather, and he was sentenced to 30 years in prison. The couple have appealed their convictions multiple times and have failed. According to the Department of Corrections, Sydney Mora has a projected release date of March 31, 2044, while Tammy's projected release date is May 9, 2043. So June 30, 2023 marked what it would have been Heather's birthday. And obviously, as we said, today is actually the 10-year anniversary of her actual disappearance.
0: Yeah, like late. It's technically like 3 a.m. tomorrow, but like tonight yeah. basically.
2: There's an article from basically today saying that they're going to hold a candlelight vigil. They are calling the event a night of HELP, H-E-L-P-P, which stands for Hope, Encouragement, Love, Purpose, and Perseverance. So that is happening at the Peachtree Landing at from 5 to 8 p.m. on December 18. And to be clear, like Heather's never been found. No. It's which and is I crazy like that to that me. And hasn't really been – much forensic evidence like i know mm-hmm. they cleaned the truck but there there's never really been any mention that i've seen of blood or any other type of evidence like i know that they said the cousins saw the photo with her with the bloody scratches
0: they um, said they couldn't but- find the photo like they tried to get deleted stuff off of his phone but they never found the photo yeah another thing if y- you guys are interested in this case you should watch the documentary i mentioned because it has a lot of clips from the trial tammy as suspected is wild she testifies she's wild she the district attorney is a woman um her first name is nancy i think her name was nancy livesay or something but she was asking tammy questions about like her posts and like the thing she was saying about heather oh and they're asking her about how tammy had an affair and tammy was like well you know nancy i could be asking you and wondering about how many married men you've slept with as well and the <laughs> da was like oh have we met each other like before outside of court Mm -hmm. and tammy was like no and she's like oh good because i was just wondering when we got on a first name basis tammy (laughs) like she just called the da nancy
2: (laughs) it was crazy tammy is wild like tammy is a lot remember that it looks bad and like i said you don't know the
0: whole story right that's that's (laughs) putting my character down which I can sit here and tell you while I was at Jane Reuben Long, when I became a, a reformed Christian, I became a completely different person than I am now. I could sit here and, and wonder how many married men you've slept with, but I'm not going to judge you on that, because that doesn't mean you killed somebody. It doesn't mean you
4: kidnapped somebody.
0: Yeah, like, just as a reminder, she handcuffed Sidney to the bed, allegedly, so that he May wouldn't go and cheat on her. name
2: tuttied, tuttied on a crutch.
0: Yeah, and... Like, there's pictures of him with the tattoo that are posted. It's just ridiculous. But it's it's sad. Like, Heather was a young girl. She I know, technically an adult, but 19. You're still so young, and you're just yeah. dealing with people in their... Like, he was 37. Like, she was 40. Much older than you. Much more life experience. And they just, like, really tried to ruin her life. Like, Sydney is just as much to blame for the affair, if not more... Then Heather is to blame, but yeah. Heather is the one that has been punished, like the ultimate punishment for it, and was harassed and was very scared. Like the last couple months of her life because of what Tammy and Sydney were doing. I I don't know what I even think happened. I do think obviously they set her up and killed her, but I don't know if like was Tammy in the car with him? Was it just a trap, or was it like he brought her back to the house and Tammy was there? Um, I don't know, but I do think they're both involved, both knew what happened and
2: absolutely they, they did sign to her. I feel like Tammy was the one who probably pushed him, like obviously the ringleader. He's not, yeah, like he, she was like you have to do this. She's pregnant, she's going to ruin our lives, so, you know, I feel like in terms of what they actually did to Heather, I feel like there's – I've looked it up, there's alligators in that area. I guess it could be a little mm. bit similar to what they – with Brit- Brittany Drexel as well. She was missing yeah. in South Carolina. But, like, I feel like maybe they dumped her in the water and just somehow she hasn't been found. Um, it doesn't seem like they probably had time to do much else to dispose of her. Um, I don't know. I guess no, unless they, possible.
0: The big question was, like, did they take her from Peachtree? Because yeah. the car – there's just video of the there. car yeah. going by and it's only like a couple minutes that like the car would have been there. So did they take her or did they just like shoot her quickly
2: and or something and just throw her body in the water? I like, guess like, the police, as we mentioned, didn't go there till two days after. So I guess essentially even if they had dumped her, they had time to go move her again. So I guess mm-hmm. there it could be any of those things. But I feel like it's probably just based on, the, on the, what I've seen of them. It's just dumb luck that she hasn't been found. It's not because it was a great plan.
0: No. And it's infuriating because they're just – they're like the worst people. Tammy is just clearly such an insecure, miserable person, doesn't have any confidence to just leave her shitty husband and be like a strong, independent woman and just be like, you know what? I don't need this man in my life. Let's go.
2: Even when she – Made that post like, well, I had a boyfriend too. But-
0: <laughs> I had <my> a <laughs> boyfriend <just> so- too. <laughs> it's like, okay, cool. Literally mm. no one cares. Mm. And then he's such a spineless loser to cheat on your wife, your three kids, you're out cheating with a girl, then you ca- can't even protect the girl, own up to your mistakes. Instead, you let your wife bully her, ruin her life, and then you, after it's all kind of done where the- everyone could just moved on, he has to go and like try to lure her back in, like make her feel bad. It's just like man up. You made a mistake, oh, no. fucking man up. You're a spineless loser. One
2: thing I just want to add, that that um, caught, like that p- piece of an article that you read out from Heather's dad where he spoke about finding out that she was missing, that article was from 30 days after she went missing. So I just can't even imagine now 10 years <sighs> that she's still missing. I just can't even imagine what that would be like for a family and the horror they have to live with every single day.
0: Yeah, and just like having to listen to these disgusting people Talk and the things they say and the lies they come up with when it's so obvious that they did something to her. Yeah.
2: Hopefully that what, I know they're not due out for another twenty years out of jail, but hopefully before then they'll be able to bring the murder charges against them and just keep them in there forever.
0: Yeah, and this is just like like more like a technicality that popped into my head. But if she really was pregnant, depending how pregnant she was, they also
2: killed a baby. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Gross. Sick. I'm guessing if this happened in September and October and then she went missing in December, the maximum. I guess she could have nearly been three months pregnant, but
0: I feel like at that point if it should count as like another charge. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah, so just like a sad story with no real resolution. It's like we all know who did it allegedly. Yeah, I feel like
2: there's absolutely no way that they didn't do it. And I feel like, unfortunately, she's absolutely deceased. So it's just a matter of finding her remains so her family can put her to rest. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, that's really it for this case. Unfortunately, like I said, no real resolution. Um, I mean, there is, but isn't, you know what I mean? Where we want to see justice, but we all – we know who did it
2: Yeah. in our hearts. I do feel horrible for the Maura's children. Like, they're the only – out of that family, yeah, I do feel I'd, horrible for them. I'd love to – I know it's like they're they're
0: adults I think at this point. I'd love to know just like more about what went on in the house during that time, like what was going on with their parents if they ever did an interview or a tell all. I'd be so interested to hear about it. Like I wonder if they still do they support their parents? Like do they believe them? I'd love to know. I haven't seen anything about that. It looks like in
2: 2014 the children were 12 and 8. Um so it'd be what 22 and 18 yeah so they would be definitely at least at least i guess that's one thing they're old enough now to not have to rely on their parents anymore
0: yeah and how traumatic for them too like they kind of also lost both their parents if you think about it like they're both in jail um anyways like i was saying if you the documentary that i watch on it is called disappeared in the darkness on it's from id but i think you could watch it for like $2 on Amazon or YouTube or if you have Hulu premium, I think it was pretty good. Um, Showed you a lot of interviews with the family and a lot of clips from um, the trial and all that would recommend. And thank you again to our Patreon member, Jessica for suggesting this case. It was a really good one to do. Very interesting. And I'm glad I learned more about it. And so I can have more people to be enraged at in life. (laughs) But that is it for this episode. Everything will be on the blog as always. If you want to follow me and Olivia on Instagram, mine is stuff. Sum underscore Olivia's TCS Olivia. And our True Crime Society account is under True Crime Society. We post a lot of current cases there and updates and everything that's going on. So make sure you're following us there. We also have a Patreon, as I mentioned, where you can I mean we take case suggestions from everyone but there it's much more at the forefront and (laughs) we can see them easier plus we have ad free episodes for the regular episodes we do weekly bonus episodes as well plus we have some group chats um that are fun we send pictures of our pets so if you are interested in that you can check us out on patreon as always make sure you're subscribed leave us nice reviews share the podcast with your friends and family and whoever And that's it. I hope you guys are having a great start to 2024. Hope it's a great year for all of us. Best year ever. Cheers to that. (laughs) And that is it. Thank you guys for listening and stay safe out there. See you soon.